Hello everyone, welcome to this bonus podcast from Laboratory News. Now, for those of you that heard my last podcast with Professor Christopher Consolis talking about extraterrestrial intelligence in our galaxy, then you'll already know how fascinating he is. During that conversation, we actually touched on much more than just intelligent aliens. And so I thought I'd release that here. We cover a couple of topics, mainly his work on galactic formation and merging, and also his use of AI to handle all that lovely data he generates. Uh, It's really good, really interesting. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. All right. So can we talk a little bit about um, the, the, the other work that you're, you're known for, which is uh, your work on galactic merging and formation? And, um, and, I, and I've read about the um, uh, other calculation you've done, which is a, the number of galaxies in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so two trillion. Is that, is that about yep. right? Yeah, that's right. This is sort of my main my main work. So this this uh, alien stuff is just a side project that I've been thinking about on and off for years. But the, the main work I do is galaxies. So uh the two trillion number that came out about four years ago and that was essentially looking at the problem of how many galaxies there could be in the universe and now we have very deep imaging of the distant universe through hubble space telescope mainly and so we can see how many galaxies there were at each epoch in time okay and and there's some galaxies that we can't see quite yet but we know that they must be there and this is just based on the way the shape of how galaxies are distributed in terms of masses. If you know how many you have at high mass, but you can detect easily because they're bright, you can figure out how many you must have at low masses. It's just a very simple way of doing that. And so by looking all that, putting all that together, we basically did an integral, if you want to use a fancy term, to figure out how many uh, galaxies there must be in the visible universe. That is how many that we can actually see in principle, that is not how many actually exist because because we have a what's called a horizon around us, uh, which is as big as the uh, uh, speed of light times time, which gives you a distance, and that's how far we can see. We can't see further away in the universe than the light which has reached us since the universe began. But we know there's stuff beyond that. We know there's stuff beyond our horizon that we just can't see. We don't even know. We don't know anything about it, really. We don't know how, how much there is. It's a really fascinating thing to think about, but we know it's there. So there certainly are more than two trillion, but two trillion is a number that we can, could perhaps potentially study. And we will be able to study many of those galaxies with the James Webb Space Telescope, which is a telescope I'm heavily involved with, which will hopefully be launched in about a year from now. And that will be able to go really far back, perhaps to the first galaxies that were ever formed in our universe. And so we can start seeing and looking at those um, but that's that's basically the result. And uh, I also do a lot of, of things, as you mentioned, about mergers uh, and how galaxies form. And so I look at things throughout the entire cosmic history of, of the universe, from galaxies today all the way back to the, the most distant times we can see them, which is about 500 million years after the Big Bang. And galaxies look very small. Uh, back then, they look uh, very irregular, very strange. And they have lots of gas. And so they're really kind of in a very primitive mode of formation. And we can see how that formation changes with time by mergers, by how much stars are forming through, through time, how the galaxies change themselves, how their structures, morphologies change, how their sizes change. They get bigger, they get more massive through time. And by doing that, we get a picture of the history of the entire universe and we get some idea of the processes which form galaxies. Like what is the major process that forms galaxies? Is it merging? Is it gas being accreted from 
what we call the intergalactic medium, that is the space between galaxies, which is full of gas that, that's just sitting there and some of it goes onto galaxies. Uh, is it just star formation happening within the galaxy based on the amount of gas it was born with? So all these things are important for understanding how galaxies are changing. So what I do is trace those processes and come up with a empirical picture for how the evolution of galaxies is, is occurring throughout the entire history of the, of the universe. Okay, that sounds like a big task. It is. Well, I've been working on it for, well, 20, 25 years, and I'm not even close to being done. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy. Obviously, that's work that is dependent on an awful lot of data and an awful lot of data processing. So uh, yes. are, are things like AI or very advanced big data solutions helping you now? Absolutely. So uh, I'm a big fan of, of, um, of deep learning, of um, artificial intelligence, and I have many PhD students who are writing papers on this, and it's really fantastic for astronomy. And so you can do all kinds of things that, that you can't do otherwise with machine learning, like, like identify galaxies that are undergoing mergers, machine can do that much better than, than an eye can, or even by measuring something about the galaxy which is another way I've developed to doing it. The machine is a much better way of finding those kind of processes in action. And I think there's a big future in, in, in deep learning and artificial intelligence in, in astronomy. It's, um, it's going to be, I think, a major, it already be, is becoming a major tool, but it's going to become like one of the main things people use. Yeah, there, there simply isn't an area of uh, research and discovery that isn't being touched by it because yeah, having more data is never a bad thing and when you couple the ability to collect that data with an ability to analyze it that doesn't take 50,000 man hours then yeah it's it's an unstoppable exactly. force yeah i totally agree and so many things that, that 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 we can try still that we're just really getting going so it's 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 going to be fun for sure Talk to me a little bit about galactic merging then. So uh, I'm imagining that is as it sounds. It's one galaxy crashing into another yeah. to form a, a larger galaxy. That's right. So one of, the, one, of the, one of the things about the dominant idea of cosmology, that is how we think the universe is put together, is that the dark matter particle, which we don't know what that is yet, but that the dark matter particle is what we call cold. That means it doesn't mean if you touch it, it feels cold. It means it's not moving very fast. And there's also what's called hot dark matter, which is a particle which moves fast. But we think the dark matter for various reasons is cold. So a hot dark matter particle would be like a neutrino. Neutrinos move close or at the speed of light. And a, a cold dark matter particle is just a particle which isn't moving very fast. So it's just, you know, sort of, it screams, but not, at, not, not close to the speed of light. <laughs> And when you have structure formation happening with a dark matter particle like that, which is cold, what happens is that the first structures to form will be low mass things. That's because gravity will, will, will act on this matter in a way where, because the particle is not moving fast, it's able to accrete onto very small stuff. And what happens is through this theory is that these small clumps of dark matter will eventually smash together and form bigger and bigger things just due to, due to gravity because the universe is very dense in its early stages. And so that's called the hierarchical formation of structure. And that's the dominant idea for how all structure forms within, within the universe. And mergers, galaxy mergers is a natural part of that. So that's sort of the small scale 
feature of that process. So you have galaxy clusters forming this way where galaxy clusters accrete galaxies onto them throughout time. But you also have galaxies smashing into each other to form bigger galaxies. And you have two types of mergers. You have major mergers, and those are, as you might guess, more important ones where you have two galaxies of similar mass smashing together to form a new galaxy. And then you have minor mergers where you have a little galaxy forming uh, or smashing into a, a bigger galaxy. And we look at both of those, but the major mergers are the ones that are easiest to find because they're just easier to see because they make a more of an effect on a galaxy and the galaxies are brighter. Minor mergers often have a little tiny galaxy, which is hard to see. And what we know is that a typical massive galaxy will have undergone a couple of mergers throughout its history of the universe. So it's not like they're undergoing hundreds of these things, only maybe, maybe four on average for a massive galaxy over maybe 12 billion years will undergo that many mergers four. So it's not a huge amount, but if you have, if you, if you have four of these, basically each time you double the mass of the galaxy. So it can build up the mass of the galaxy um, in an effective way. So we see that happening, and we can trace that process happening with very deep Hubble Space Telescope imaging for the most part. Also, we can use some, some, some stuff from the ground, um, looking at very uh, wide field imaging, can find these things. But for the most part, the most, most of the advances have come from Hubble Space Telescope deep imaging. So we can find these things because they, you can see galaxies very close together in the sky, and you can know that they're close together um, in the, let's say, the projected position by looking at how fast those galaxies are moving away or what their what we call redshift is. This is how far away they are. And when they have a similar redshift, that means they're in a similar part of space, not just a chance superposition of two galaxies that are at different distances. And you can also find them, this is something I pioneered a lot um, uh, earlier in my career, looking for galaxies which are morphologically distorted and peculiar and using a technique to determine whether or not those peculiar structures that is how the galaxy looks like a smashed, some people call it like a train, a train wreck, how those galaxies are mergers. And so we develop techniques to do that. And you can measure the merger history that way. But now we also use, going back to machine learning, machine learning and deep learning to, to determine whether or not galaxies are undergoing a merger. And we've recently published a paper where we've demonstrated that the, uh, the merger history can be measured through, through this machine learning as well. I wasn't quite sure how to imagine a galactic merging. You know, obviously the component parts of that galaxy, i.e. the planets, the suns, the dust, they they won't just gently slide past each other. Some of them are going to crash into each other. So it's quite a physically uh, intense event. It can be, but it's it probably not as much as people might think. It's, it's, it's not so much that the stars will, will see much of an effect, really. I mean, we will merge with our own neighboring galaxy, uh, M31 Andromeda, in the next, I think it's a billion years or so. And in terms of being on the, on, you know, a planet on the sun, if we're still here, you know, all we would see is that we see the galaxy get brighter and brighter. And then we would, you know, you would just see that the night sky would change. The stars will move around a little bit. And of course, this is over hundreds of millions of years. So you wouldn't see anything in a lifetime of a person. So it's not like, you know, looking at a movie or something, you would have, you'd have to chart this over millions of years. But it wouldn't really affect so much us, we're especially because we're in the outer parts of our galaxy. And so we may, we may get moved around a little bit, but overall, it really shouldn't affect us uh, too much. 
if we're still around, or any other stars. So the stellar collisions are fairly rare, except in a very dense parts, like globular clusters, where you have very dense clusters of stars. Um, but what could happen is that you get more star formation because the gas in these two galaxies collides and that triggers star formation. And so the night sky at, at, at night would be more illuminated. You would see a lot more young stars being formed throughout the galaxy due to the collision of this gas forming uh, new young stars. And so potentially if we were near that, it might be bad news for us, uh, but only because if you have new star formation, you often get lots of supernova happening. And the supernova, if you have one too close to you or a gamma ray burst too close to you, gamma ray bursts are thought to be sort of hypernova, these extreme supernova events, that, th that could affect us on Earth. But in terms of our existence beyond that, it wouldn't be that much affected. 